shots for you. Verse number nine. Why y'all still saying that? I have trouble finding first people. Come on now. You're about to still say that. I've been gone that long, but I don't know if you First Peter. Chapter number two. Verse number nine. You have it, say, mm hmm. But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You may be seated. Those who are taking notes, I need you to write down those four words. You're chosen, you're royal, you're holy, and peculiar. And lastly, number five, you're a praiser. You're chosen, you're royal, you're holy, peculiar, church 
is made up of families. And the thing that is strange about families is it doesn't matter if you fit into the category or not as an individual. Because of your name, you are immediately associated with the family, whether it's a good association or bad. I grew up on the south side of Monroe. And there were some families in my neighborhood that you knew if you messed with one, you're going to have to fight them all. Some of them were big, some of them were small, some of them were tall, some of them were skinny, but it didn't matter. Uh, if you mess with one of them, you're going to have to fight every last one of them. And some of them didn't have the same demeanor as others. But nonetheless, because of the last name, when you heard the last name, you knew. Leave them alone. They like an old ant bed. You didn't even know all the people they was kidding to until you got into it with them. You find the same situation in this area, in any area that you go in. Because of your association, you become whatever the family is. And so if you are in the family of God, you have no choice. You have to understand that, get this in your mind, I don't care how rejected I've been of men, I'm chosen by God. Doesn't matter who's walked over me, doesn't matter who's passed over me, I'm a part of a royal family. Doesn't matter if I don't fit in. I wasn't made to fit in because he told me from the beginning that you are peculiar. Doesn't matter. Sometimes I act out of myself, but at the end of the day, I am holy. And I always don't feel like praising, but because of my association with the family, I am by nature a praiser. All of that's good and all of that's fine, but we're going to get to the part in the last portion of this text that I really want to get to today before we deal with the first part. Because we hear everybody talk about being a chosen generation. We hear everybody talking about the royal priesthood and the holy nation, peculiar people, and we're supposed to be praising. But very few people discuss the fact that he says, I'm calling you out of darkness. And I'm bringing you into the light. You see, if I associate with my old life, then what I'm saying is that I don't want to partake of the new life. That's right. And so I'm still by nature connected to the family that I was by birth born into. Right. But until I'm born again, I cannot or I have to continue to associate with the old nature until I'm truly born again into my new nature. That's as long as I associate with my old nature, I cannot enjoy the fruit of my new nature. As long as I walk in darkness, I cannot enjoy the beauty of the light. And so what happens to most believers is they go around confessing and professing that they are part of the family, but they don't have the same attributes as the family. Because everybody in this family, whatever they ask for, they receive. Everybody in this family, whatever they seek, they find. 
everybody in this family, when they knock, the door is open. In this family, everybody in this family is an overcomer. Everybody in this family is an overachiever. Everybody in this family wins. And if you have the nature of the family, it does not matter what you've been through. Because of your association with this family, you can't lose because of the name. The Bible says in Ephesians that he's given him a name that is above every name. And so it does not matter what your child may be called. It might come in the form of cancer. It might come in the form of high blood pressure. It might come in the form of marital problems, financial problems, children problems. Whatever the issue has a name, there is an assurance that you are over it. And but, but the problem is that we don't know what family we belong to. Yeah, see, I had a hard lesson growing up. My grandfather was mighty proud of the daily name. Yeah, and I remember Sister Keisha when I first started preaching. My granddaddy didn't know whether or not to be proud or be worried. He wasn't worried about me. He was worried about the name. He said, I hope that boy don't get up there and embarrass this family. Yeah, I heard what he said, but if he get up there and flunk, if he get up there and make a fool, they gonna laugh at the whole I submit to you today that there are some of us who are living in such a manner that it embarrasses the whole yeah, he wasn't worried about whether or not I can make the subject verb agree he didn't care if I used the proper nouns and adjectives he was worried about the fact that I might embarrass this family grandfather cares that much about his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, this is the thing you got to understand is that my last name is Beckwith, not David, but I'm associated. And if you are connected to me, I can't have you getting up there and making me look crazy. Make sure that if you say you call, you don't embarrass. Look at somebody telling the family line. The family name is on the line. It ain't just about you when you walk out of these doors and you do things that are still pertaining to the darkness, but you're carrying the light name. You need to understand that you're making the whole family look bad. They don't walk out here and say, oh, did y'all hear what Pastor Beckwith did? If I mess up the whole church. Yeah, but see, the problem is everybody don't look at the preacher. Everybody don't respect the pastor, but he says here that you are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. That goes for everybody in the family. While the pastor at home suffering, trying to do everything right, the body doing whatever they want to do. This is the thing you hate because don't nobody see your stuff. Don't nobody see yourself that they don't, but watch this. It causes embarrassment to the whole family. Because you have to understand, because we are connected, they're not going to say, man, did y'all see that young preacher get up there? No, that's J.B. Grandson. 
JD grandson, Juanita grandson, that daily boy, you know the one. Yeah, you see, we have a reputation in that area that he wanted to make sure stayed intact. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's right. God says, I want to make sure that you carry my name. And that you're going to represent my name the right way. That's why a man takes so much time. Yeah, when it comes to choosing who to give his name to. Yeah, because you don't want to give your name to somebody who's going to make your whole family. So he's called us then out of darkness. He brought us into the marvelous light. Say from darkness to light. So let's talk about this then. Darkness represents ignorance. In the Bible, wherever you see the word darkness, it is the same word translated as the word ignorant or ignorance. And we know that the word ignorant means two things, to not know, and number two, to not apply. And so we have people who uh, willingly choose to ignore the word of God, and in so they are operating in ignorance. And then there are some who use the excuse, well, I didn't know. Well, didn't know or not knowing is not an excuse. He's because we have a choice as to who we are connected to. That's right. And if I am connected some, to someone who is not giving me what I need, I have a choice to disconnect and go connect somewhere where my spirit is being fed. Right. And so to not know and to not apply. Ignorance also or darkness also represents the old life and what we are supposed to be distanced from and disconnected from. Light then represents knowledge and new life. And so he calls us to leave darkness, the old life, the ignorance, and walk into the new light. Let me tell you this, and this is going to make perfect sense to you, that the enemy chooses to keep us in darkness. And as long as he has us in darkness, we cannot truly enjoy what God has for us. As a matter of fact, let me say it like this. Every believer only enjoys life and freedom to the extent of darkness that has been removed from their life. You cannot live above the level of your ignorance. If I am ignorant in any area, I cannot see a flourishing in that area because faith comes by hearing. And if I have not heard, I do not have faith to believe in that area. Example, if I'm believing God for healing, then I, it would make sense for me to learn about healing. That's why everywhere Jesus went before he healed, he taught. Because you have to have your faith to the level that you can believe God for what he's telling you. You have been taught from the day that you were born into the natural world that there were limits on your believing. There were limits on what you could achieve. Because your family was poor, then you're going to be poor. Because your family was this, uh, and, and you look at it, you see it even in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Whatever the father did, the son did. That's what you call generational curses. That's generational wealth that's only created by what the father did. As a matter of fact, even in the old days, if the father was a blacksmith, that was probably the name of the family because they identified you by what you did. And so we have to distance ourselves from the old nation. From the old man. Watch this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Pull that scripture up for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. I need you to turn that quick. Turn quick. I want to show you this, that the enemy operates in darkness. 
The enemy operates in your ignorance. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. He operates in darkness. Are you hearing this? The only way that he can defeat you is to keep you ignorant. That's right. That's right. He's not moved by emotional messages. Not moved by messages that will make the crowd stand up and will make people cheer and say, go on. But he's moved by the word that teaches the people of God and brings them out of darkness and into the light. Because he understands that the light can, or the darkness cannot comprehend the light. Watch this though. The God of this world has blinded. He's darkened the minds of the believers. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Watch this. He ain't fighting your sin. He's fighting your mind to keep you ignorant concerning the things of God. Now watch this, because it either means to not know or to not apply. And as long as he can keep you ignorant. Now we asked a question last week. How many of us can write three scriptures? <laughs> word for word. Tell me where it's found. As long as he can keep us ignorant. My healing can't manifest because the faith not there to produce Everybody want to be wealthy. But if I ask you about a wealthy scripture, I ask you, what promise can you connect to your belief? What what is it that you're believing God for? What promise can you connect? Most people are going to give you, well, my God shall supply all of my needs. And that might be a good one, but what other health and wealth scriptures can you give to me that will cause health and wealth to show up at your house? If I want to operate in an arena, I need to get knowledge concerning that area. Because as long as there is a lack of knowledge, I am darkness concerning that area. And it takes knowledge to illuminate the darkness. And my refusal to study keeps me unable to rightly divide the word of truth. And so I take the preacher's word for it and the preacher ain't studied, the preacher ain't fasted, the preacher ain't labor for God and so the preacher gives you a word that keeps you in damnation, keeps you in darkness and we'll shout and say hallelujah and stop, stay in darkness. So he says, I'm bringing you out. So the enemy, what he's doing is darkening the minds, blinding the minds so that we won't see the light. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Somebody shout light. You ain't shouting like you want it though. You know, we used to say there's no book on how to raise children. Mm-hmm. Man, ain't, no, ain't no 
book on how to do this. It ain't no book on how to do that. Yes, it is. He gives instruction concerning everything. He sure do. Yes, he do. Concerning everything. That's right. How to be a father. How to be a mother. How to be a husband. How to be a wife. How to be a family. He talks about everything. He talks about your wealth. He talks about your health. He talks about your mind. He talks about the body. He talks about your soul. He talks about your spirit. He talks about the flesh. He talks about your work. He talks about when you get off work. He talked about being slothful. He talked about being lazy. He talked about producing. He talked about not producing. He talked about your friends. He talked about your friends, friends. He talked about your family. He talked about your mom and them. He talked about your dad and them. He talked about your cousins. He talked about everything. The problem is that we choose to stay in darkness. God didn't create it that 
place, something happened between verse 1 and verse 2 that caused the earth to no longer reflect heaven. Now, Dr. Miles Monroe says it like this. If you want to know a person's diagnosis, look at the prescription. I'm going to prove it to you. If I say Tylenol, heaven. You thinking, I got something that hurts me. Some type of pain that this Tylenol can take care of. Yeah, insulin. Yeah, you're thinking, so I can look at your prescription and see what your problem is. And so in order to see what God's pro or the earth's problem was, we don't need to look at the problem. Let's look at the solution. In verse 3, because see, what we'll do is focus on all that's wrong. Go back up real quick. We'll focus on everything that's wrong. Without form. Which means it's empty. It's a wasteland. It's all of those things and then we say it's void. It's a desert place. And watch this because we're talking about coming out of darkness and into the marvelous light. There's even darkness. Not only is there darkness, but it's deeply rooted. You got to catch this. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. It's deeply rooted. And you would think that man, the earth got a whole lot of problems. Verse number three. The Lord steps out and says something so simple. Let there be light. Go back up to verse two. Y'all got to catch this. We never again see the void. We never see the without form. We never see the darkness. Go to verse 3. With simply the creation of light, it eliminated all the problems. If you read on, it says that God divided the day from the night. Now watch this. Because it's not until the next day that he creates the sun and the moon called the greater light and the lesser light. He said, I know that there has to be a night, but what I'm going to do is stick some lights in the firmament. That's going to light your way even in the night. He did not destroy the darkness, but I'll leave it for a reason, and I'll separate the two. So you cannot be dark and everybody goes through seasons when it seems dark. Y'all can respond better than that, everybody. Matter of fact, some of us in here right now, as a matter of fact, one of the reasons that we lose our passion 
use it when the light's not shining. And, and it's not that the sun has gone down. If you understand science, the sun never really goes down. The earth or the sun spins and the sun is shining. It's just turned away from you for the moment. But if you will keep on holding on, the earth will keep spinning on its axis and the sun will come back. John chapter 1. 
beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. This word, Word, as you can see, is capitalized. Which symbolizes that it has to be talking about a person. It's not describing a thing or it would be lowercase. Jackson's in first grade and what they've been working on for the last few months is capitalization. You only capitalize the first word in a sentence or a proper noun. In the beginning, in is the first word. If this were in anybody's English class, the teacher would circle that because her education had taught her that this ain't talking about. This ain't just any word. In the beginning was now watch this because it's about to get better and ain't got much time. The Bible says that the word was there in the beginning. This word, word, is the Greek word logos. L-O-G-O-S. And the word logos has two definitions. It's the spoken word, but it's also the conception of an idea. So essentially, what it's saying, if you just stop at logos, you'll miss that it's also the conception of an idea. In the beginning, God had an idea. And the idea was with God. And the idea was with God. How then do I articulate my idea so that people can understand. I have to use Go to verse 14 because they ain't got it yet. And the idea was made That's my time. Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. 